Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome to another week here, everybody. Let me get right to it. I wanted to mention this off the top and revisit a particular subject because this was something that occurred last week, and it was the National Teacher of the Year Award was given out to a guy by the name of Kurt Russell, a black man in uh, Oberlin, Ohio. Now, I've mentioned the business of Teacher of the Year Awards in the past on at least a couple of occasions that I recall, and it deserves revisiting in this particular episode because there is a, like I said in past episodes, there's, a, there's another motive as to why this particular individual would receive this award at this particular time, and then of course have all of it be largely promoted in particular on television. And it was on CBS's morning show where this individual showed up and they made a big deal out of it. And, you know, they're going to become an ambassador of education in America and this, that, and the other. Just to revisit very quickly the sham that is the Teacher of the Year Award. Teacher of the Year Awards always have another motive as to why the individual is receiving it. It is never a face value award, as if to say this is, in fact, the best educator that exists in a particular area, and even to openly state that this individual has received this national award as being somehow the best educator in the nation is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. The field of education is a profession that should not have any awards associated with it whatsoever, in my opinion. I'm not a trophy kind of guy. I'm not an award kind of guy. I don't like them. Because every single time that a person receives one, there are endless more that really would deserve it. And the whole idea, of course, of these awards is to single out a person for an agenda because of an agenda that the people who created the award want to push. That always happens. It can be very small at the local level to the point where an individual, say, for example, receives or is nominated for a Teacher of the Year award at the local level. In many cases, they are not the best teacher that exists within a district. In many cases, they are simply a friend of the administration who is in charge. They might even be a family member of someone who is in charge. Uh, In many cases, as I've said, they're typically the worst teachers that actually exist. And the individual will receive the Teacher of the Year Award for either one of two reasons, really. The first is to protect them from the public, because in many cases, the public has criticized this particular teacher, and it could be that that particular teacher has numerous public complaints or parental complaints, rather, and the administration knows this, and the only way to liven up the image of their building or of this particular teacher and they as administrators is to then award this particular individual with a Teacher of the Year award, and then morally justify that award with that individual as being some kind of a defense uh, in, in, in the face of any criticism, basically. 
So they'll say, well, that's impossible that uh, someone would complain about them being terrible because they won the Teacher of the Year award. I mean, it's, you know, it's the dumbest, it's the dumbest excuse that, uh, that exists. But even, even though that happens, you know, you, you can't short public education officials or even private education employees uh, to engage in such a tactic. Uh, you know, they will stoop to absolutely no level. Um, all bets are off when it comes to exercising their own immorality, and they do it on a constant basis. This National Teacher of the Education, uh, or Teacher of the Year Award, rather, this has a more nefarious angle, and it is certainly media-controlled, and there's a bigger... There's a bigger story here, but let me read through this sort of milk toast description here. And by the way, this particular story comes from edweek.org. And edweek, as you might expect, is a leftist education, quote unquote, um, organization. For example, they have another story here from over a year ago that says, what is critical race theory and why is it under attack? So they, you know, it's just very bland, but at the exact same time, they, they certainly lean left. So it says this, it says, quote, Kurt Russell, a veteran high school, te- uh, high school history teacher in Oberlin, Ohio, has been named the 2022 National Teacher of the Year. And again, we have to ask ourselves a question as to what exactly is the framework or rubric that is used to determine who is the Teacher of the Year and who is not. In many cases, at the local level, the entire system is remarkably corrupt. It involves uh, paper ballots or even electronic ballots that can be filled out numerous times by endless people. And the more votes that a person has, a teacher has, uh, then by default they have to nominate them for Teacher of the Year. And it's usually a certain amount of teachers per building are nominated, and then that's that's the end of it. And then, again, if you want to fill out the nomination form and you want to fill out all that stuff and send it back into the district, then ultimately somebody else makes a decision. But keep in mind, they always have an agenda. And in this particular person's case, again, he's a black man, he's effeminate, uh, he's most certainly a leftist, he teaches history and justice in the classroom and all this other nonsense. And from Oberlin, Ohio, which again ties in directly into the motive as to why this individual received the Teacher of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, It continues here. It says, Russell, who teaches courses like U.S. History, International Baccalaureate History of the Americas, and African American History at Oberlin High School, was named the National Awardee on CBS Mornings. Russell, which, by the way, that's another thing that needs to be dived into here just briefly. I know that in many cases, or perhaps certainly on a year-in, year-out basis, when an individual wins the national award, and again, most teachers are completely unaware that that these awards exist or that there's a national award. I mean, many of them just don't care, uh, you know, which is great, but a lot of them, again, are interested in, in winning set awards or just trying to win a award, which I think is pathetic. But when a media outlet, a national media outlet like CBS, selects these individuals, flies them in from where they live, 
um, you know, might give them a check or might give them something else, certainly some recognition, X, Y, Z. The whole thing just is fishy to me. It just sounds fishy. It smells fishy. There's something up. There's always, again, another motive. And I'm going to get to it here, but um, it's not an accident again that this individual was uh, invited by CBS to show up because I know that in the past, CNN has even done the same thing where they'll have a certain number of nominated teachers and then, you know, they have like this Miss America kind of pageant thing where basically somebody ends up, uh, you know, the first runner up is and then (laughs) somebody ends up winning and then, I don't know, they, they give them a golden apple or some other dumb, dumb award or dumb trophy, whatever it is. But either way, uh, it, it, this particular thing again is is hinky to me, uh, in particular given the Oberlin, Ohio connection, which again I'll mention here in just a second. But this continues, and it says Russell, who is in his 25th year in the classroom, is also the school's head varsity basketball coach and a faculty advisor to the Black Student Union. Again, every single box is checked here that the leftists just absolutely love. They just love it. Because again, you can't have an individual who just teaches their subject, teaches it honestly, encourages students to think for themselves as an individual, and then goes home and learns more, so, uh, you know, learns more about the truth so that they can bring that back to the classroom and engage their students in thinking. You know, you have to have an individual who is a political activist and a part of a black student union and a faculty advisor and whatever else. Uh, it continues, it says, Russell, who teaches, who teaches at the same high school where he attended, and you know my stance on that, uh, he wanted to be a teacher since he was in kindergarten. Quote, I'm just so proud to be a part of this profession, Russell told Education Week after the announcement, adding that he was excited, nervous, humbled, all of the above. Now, again, teaching in the same building where you graduated from as you've heard me mention in the past, is remarkably unprofessional in my opinion. It's proving to individuals that you are incapable of moving somewhere else, doing something else, and that laziness and comfort tend to be sort of the hidden motives. But unfortunately, as I've mentioned previously, There are a lot of individuals who work in this profession of education, and they actually believe that that is a professional trait, that it's a characteristic of someone who who cares. Well, they're returning to their alma mater because they care, and uh, they want to teach in the same hallways that they once walked as a student, and this is just further proof that they're giving back to their community. It's It's a crock of shit. I, I don't I don't know how else to put it. It's just a crock of shit. So this article does continue uh, for just a little bit. And again, you'll get an idea as to the motives here and sort of the larger mission that these national teachers of the year uh, have to engage in and certainly want to engage in, which I think is remarkably odd as well. And then trust me, I'll get to the Oberlin connection here in just a minute. Uh, It continues, it says, Russell plans to use his platform as National Teacher of the Year to advocate for culturally responsive curricula and a more diverse teaching profession. It it can't get more diverse. The place is now filled with child abusers. What what more do you want? (laughs) I mean, seriously. 
I mean, you know, let us not forget the last two years and how all of the child abusers just rose to the top. And we got to see how everybody working in the profession was 100% fine abusing children. But don't worry that he wants more diverse, a more diverse teaching profession. Well, what's next? What can get more diverse than an environment that is dominated by women? hiring less and less whites, creating positions that are paying very, very well, I might add, which I'll get into that a little bit later too, uh, to, to start up these diversity, equity, and inclusion departments within public schools in the interest, again, of making sure that they don't hire whites, but they want a more diverse teaching profession. And again, they're child abusers because they've participated in the mask wearing and the distancing and the suspensions and, you know, the lack of compliance for child abuse and whatever. It's just nuts. These people are nuts. Uh, it continues, it says only 20% of teachers are teachers of color and just 2% of teachers are black men. So what? So what? This is the part where a leftist will use statistics because they cannot, for the life of them, understand that maybe God has a plan for people, and God has a plan for each individual, and that maybe, just maybe, not everybody wants to be a school teacher. You see, they leave out the part that it's dominated by women. Rather convenient, I think, that they leave that part out. But it continues here. It says, quote, if I could be just a small part of a larger change, it would mean so much to me, said Russell, who is black. And see, the author of the article has to state that again, that he's a black man. Because why? Because they have to, they have to push his race to the top. As if him, again, being a black male, who again is effeminate. I don't know if the guy's gay or not. Not, not, not my business. But my point is, is that they have to check every single possible box, and they have to. And this is part of their motive for this guy. They have to use his race and his gender as being a male in order to make it look as if black males can win Teacher of the Year too. That don't forget black males can do things also. That you know, that, that they can they can be teacher of the year also. It's so pathetic in their attempt to normalize something that should already be happening and already does happen. But there are countless individuals, and I you know, I'm having a I'm I'm having a flashback here because I recall very vividly actually that there was a a black male teacher who won teacher of the year in a North Carolina school district and he was a phys ed teacher and I believe I brought it up on the podcast a long time ago but he didn't win it because he was the best teacher in the district he won it because he was a young black male that's really why he won it and the district filled with old whites basically got together and said, well, we need to make sure that he gets it because he's new. He's 26 years old and, and he's new and we have to make sure that he gets the award so that we don't look like racists. <laughs> that is their motive. That's their motive. Are they ever going to admit that? Of course not. Of course not. But that's always one of the many hidden motives as to why an individual like this would win an award. 
Again, the very concept of a Teacher of the Year award is impossible to evaluate. It's impossible. You can't possibly pick one individual across an entire profession that employs hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in the nation and, uh, and just be like, nope, it's this guy. This is the guy. He's better than everybody else. Because we said so. Not to mention, who is this we? What organization is actually choosing this individual out of a, out of a pool of other individuals? I might add, the pool of the other individuals, I kid you not, checked every single racial boundary or, or racial demographic that you could imagine. There was a Hispanic lady. There was an Asian lady. Uh, there was a black man, him. There was a, uh, a white male. And I think that was about it. And then they went, well, this guy wins. Well, I mean, what did the other people do? What was you know what what were the other people's qualifications? What kind of teachers were they? Are we are we going to figure that out? Is anybody going to care? This is the kind of you know this is the nefarious nature of all of this that again has a much larger agenda. I think it's disgusting, uh, but, but it gets worse. I assure you. Um, let's see. It continues. He also said uh, he added that in addition to more teachers of color, he also wants to see more male teachers in early grades and more women teaching STEM classes. See, talking points, all leftist talking points. And then it says, and Russell said his own students have grown tremendously from having curriculum that reflects the diversity of their experiences. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Does he honestly think that the students in his class are going to grow up and say, you know what, I had all these teachers and they were okay. But then this black guy came around and he became the teacher. And I'll tell you what, he was the best because he was black. It was his skin color that made him the best school teacher in the history of the planet. And then some organization somewhere, whether it was the Department of Education or something, chose him as the National Teacher of the Year. And he was my teacher. I mean, give me a break. Uh, the whole thing is insane. It, it just requires no brains to pick these individuals. But again, there is a motive. It continues. It says, he, you know, <laughs> this Russell guy just won't stop talking. Uh, let's see. Quote, he says this. He says, students have been able to handle discourse a little bit better and have through conversations with respect, Russell said. This is a country that is made up of so many great different individuals, so many different cultures and races and religions. And what I try to bring into my classroom are those different aspects, making sure that the narratives of others are being told through stories. That, you know, I'll tell you what, it would be interesting to be a student in his classroom and challenge him. Just challenge this guy. Because again, CBS brought a camera into his classroom and was filming him and interviewing some of his students, and his classroom looked small. So if those were really his students and that was really his classroom, it was a small classroom with not many students in it. But, you know, he's bouncing around the room, and he's looking energetic and doing that thing. You know, we must reach these kids. I mean, he's, he's doing whatever he can for the camera. you got to give him that. 
he continues here, or it continues rather, and it says CBS, CBS Mornings featured several of Russell's students who spoke of his passion in the classroom and his commitment to their learning. Quote, Mr. Russell always strives for every student to succeed in his classroom, said Cam Thompson, a senior. Quote, he wants us to truly engage with one another and embrace new ideas, said senior Anna Fritz. See, that's leftist lingo, too. Embrace new ideas? Again, until the teacher is challenged with the truth that might shatter one of his illusions. And then, of course, you'll find yourself in detention. Because, yeah, you, you, it's, it would be impossible to have a student to actually know more than a teacher. Um, that person continued and said, The biggest lesson I've learned from him is to comfort the uncomfortable, for the love of God. You know, uh, this leftist lingo really bothers me. It really does. They all, they're all talking the same, and they can't even hear themselves talk. Uh, the article continues even further. It says, even so, there has been a wave of conservative legislation in states and school board policies to limit how and whether topics such as race, racism, and LGBTQ issues are taught in schools. Yes. As they shouldn't be because it's not subject specific. And as I brought up previously, what do they have to do then? They have to create these clubs and classes and try to push these clubs and classes that carry these kinds of subjects in it to perpetuate it to keep it going. And this again is exposing Education Week uh, or edweek.org as being the sham outlet that they are. It says, uh, in Ohio, where Russell teaches, a bill was introduced earlier this month that would prohibit any textbook instructional material or academic curriculum that promotes any divisive or inherently racist concept, uh, which could include critical race theory, intersectional theory, the New York Times 1619 Project, or diversity, equity, and inclusion learning outcomes. Good, because it's all fake. All of it's fiction. Again, they've got to keep the racism word alive because that's what racists do. They have to keep that alive. They can't just be Americans. They have to be categorized as particular things. It's disgusting. Continues, it says, some of the electives Russell teaches, like one on race, gender, and oppression, shocking, which has a unit on the Black Lives Matter movement, would likely be controversial, but Russell said they're popular among students of all races at his school. Bullshit. I don't believe that for a minute. But it is Oberlin, Ohio, and I promise you I'm getting to that connection. In February, he told Education Week that he feels he has a responsibility to tell the truth to students. So this guy was talking with Education Week back in February. Suspicious, is it not? It continues, it says, adults feel as though our students are unable to have these tough conversations. Students don't feel that way in my experience, he said. Students are willing and it makes students more engaged in the learning process. Well, you know all, don't you? He's, he's parent numero uno and, and national teacher numero uno. Uh, here we go. The Ambassador for Educators. As National Teacher of the Year, Russell will serve as an ambassador for an exhausted workforce. New study survey results show that teacher job satisfaction has hit an all-time low this year. Now, why would that be the case? Hmm. Could it be because they were all abused themselves? 
by the government controlling puppet masters that none of them took a stand. Not none of them. I'm sure plenty did, but and many did, but uh, that many just went along with all of the child abuse and the mask wearing and the jabs and don't forget your jabs and the coercion and everything else. They just went along with it. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the job satisfaction is, is going to improve now that all of this has gone away. No, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. What happened in the last two years in education was just the tip of the iceberg. He was quoted here and it says, quote, everyone has a favorite teacher, right? That's the impact of teaching, Russell told Education Week in February. That's the impact of teaching that everyone has a favorite teacher. God, I hope not. I sure hope not. I hope that's not, uh, I hope that's not the impact of teaching. I would hope that the impact of teaching is just encouraging students to think and uh, you know, not settle on something that is written in a textbook as being fact. But, you know, it's a popularity contest, according to Russell. Uh, he continued and he says, does it get hard sometimes? Yes. Does it get frustrating sometimes? Yes. But at the end of the day, it is so, so worth it. There is not a profession in my humble experience that has made or is making a bigger impact than teaching. Well, Kitten, you got that right. Because the entire profession has been abusing children the last two years. So you talk about making a big impact. You got that right. Ugh, these people. It's worth noting, too, by the way, and this can't, this can't be ignored. Russell was probably a mask wearer. He's probably double jabbed, if not triple jabbed. He probably spent some time in, in encouraging that in his classroom and probably had his students wearing the masks as well. This is another move to normalize child abuse within these environments. But let's give him an award. Well, now he's the National Teacher of the Year. Why not? He abused children. Let's give him a trophy. The profession makes me sick. It's not a profession anymore. It's just not. I, I, I don't even know what it is. I, 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 really, I really don't. Okay, it then says that Russell was selected by a national committee from a pool of 55 state teachers of the year who hail from 49 states, the District of Columbia, the Department of Defense Education Activity, and U.S. Territories. Illinois did not name a new state teacher of the year in 2022. Somebody fall asleep at the wheel there? I mean, they can't even make, they can't even make one up? Come on, Illinois. All those excellent educators in the Chicago public school system and you couldn't pick one? Sarcasm. Sorry. I was laying it on rather thick there. Uh, I continued and it says the committee included representatives from 17 education groups and is run by the Council of Chief State School Officers, which facilitates the award. I'm sure they're highly ethical. It continued. It says the other three finalists were, I'm not even going to get these names. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to try. Uh, they came from Colorado, Pittsburgh, I don't know, somewhere else. Okay, uh, it continues, it says, typically the national winner and the other state teachers of the year are honored in a ceremony at the White House. The details of this year's ceremony haven't been, haven't yet been announced. Uh, in October, First Lady Jill Biden, not, not really the First Lady, and President Joe Biden, not really the President, 
honored both the 2020 and 2021 State Teachers of the Year in celebration on the South Lawn, making up for the cancellation of the 2020 ceremony. Now, allegedly, this Russell guy is going to meet those two frauds and pedophiles somewhere. Uh, Again, a lot of rumors about the actual White House not being inhabited by anybody. You know, I'm I'm not sure what to believe regarding all of that. I do think it's odd that the chain link fences are everywhere in Washington, D.C., and a lot of these buildings seem to be dead empty. So it'll be interesting to see where they actually meet the Bidens, as it were. But here, ladies and gentlemen, is the other nefarious connection in all of this, from my opinion. Oberlin, Ohio is a leftist town, and that is putting it mildly. It is the location of Oberlin College, which recently lost a massive lawsuit in the sum of at least $30 million, if I'm not mistaken. And I talked about that particular lawsuit on the podcast regarding Gibson's Bakery, where a bunch of Oberlin College students decided to scream and shout and protest outside of this bakery, calling them all racists and the people who work there and own the place racists and this, that, and the other. It was probably the old yarn of, um, you know, you won't, you won't make me a, a gay ice cream cone or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Either way, the bakery won the lawsuit, and it was massive. And again, the woke mob completely attacked that bakery. and. Again, 30 plus million at least the the bakery was awarded because the college itself was participating in that direct attack. Now, of all of the teachers, quote unquote, across the nation, why would they pick one from Oberlin, Ohio? All the towns and cities that exist in the United States, and it just happens to be Oberlin, Ohio. The same place again, where the leftist woke mob lost that lawsuit, and the college now has to fork over all of that cash. Now think about this from a search engine standpoint. When you look up Oberlin, Ohio, you're going to come across Kurt Russell's name as being the teacher of the year there. You're probably not likely going to come across the story about Gibson's Bakery and how they stood up for their rights and ended up winning in court. See, one motive is designed to bolster the presence of one of their own leftist ideologues in the interest of not only pushing all of their ideologies and their shared motives and shared ideologies and political persuasions and sexual persuasions and whatever it is. that, That is certainly one of them. The other motive is to bury something else that was going on in that town that they don't want you to know. So you have to keep that in mind, that as I stated at the beginning of this rant here, which has lasted approximately 30 minutes, that the motive for the Teacher of the Year award is always way more nefarious than what meets the eye. It's always been that way. It will continue to be that way. These, these award programs are weaponized so that individuals can get their way, in the, and it's usually, again, in the interest of public image and protecting local public image 
in some form or fashion. That's usually the motive. And it certainly is the case in this case, in my opinion. Again, the guy's resume reads like a full-blown Marxist. That's enough. But the Oberlin, Ohio connection, come on. They could have picked any town or city they wanted to, but they found an effeminate black man who teaches history and justice in the classroom, is a Black Lives Matter supporter, and just so happens to live in the exact same town where the woke mob and the college lost a massive lawsuit. He was probably outside of that bakery chanting with them that the bakery was racist, and he probably encouraged his students to attend those little riots and those little rallies outside of that bakery. But see, all of that's forgotten now, because when you look him up, the only thing you're going to hear about Oberlin, Ohio, is this guy. It's a basic search algorithm tactic that gets used. And that's not, again, that's not unusual. And that's not out of the ordinary. And that's not a stretch. That's not me making some ridiculous connection. It is, it is a very real thing. It happens all of the time. Now, with that story aside, there was another one that was tossed to me by Jesse James. And this came about over a year ago. But you've heard me mention these diversity, equity, and inclusion groups and uh, employment departments that actually exist within K-12 public schools. And they probably exist, again, in private charter and magnet schools as well. But there are public schools, ladies and gentlemen, and this particular story, again, was, uh, was from Michigan. But they were hiring an individual to become their director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and take a guess as to what the public school district was going to pay this guy. And yes, the individual was a black man. But with that aside, again, it's just another way to push their agenda. But what was this person actually going to be making? This person at the end of the article, it stated that they were going to be making anywhere from $71,000 to $91,000 a year. School teachers don't make that much money. There are many principals that don't make that much money. A lot of principals do. But again, you're hiring a political ideologue to, to roll out the state's diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda in a school district, which means they're going to be running professional development and they're going to be running all kinds of things, and, and doing whatever they can do to make little inroads within the classroom to indoctrinate and brainwash children. But they're making, again, anywhere from seventy-one dollars to ninety to $91,000 a year. At least that was the case with this particular individual, uh, I believe out of Troy, Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. So I've, I've encouraged people to pay attention to that before. You know, pay attention to who these individuals are within your local school districts, if you even care, and understand that they are not doing this job for free. In many cases, they are receiving a large sum of money, and it blows me away. I mean, because again, what what are the qualifications for such a ridiculous position in the first place? You know, are 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 you not white? Check. Okay, excellent. Um. Could you be gay? Hopefully you are. Check. Okay, perfect. You're hired. That's about it. 
Are you a registered Democrat? Have you read the Communist Manifesto? Check, check. Okay, very good. Congratulations. Here's your yearly check for $91,000. These environments, ladies and gentlemen, are lost. They're completely lost. And being awake is an absolute blessing. It's a gift from God to be, to, to be awake and to, to, to actually have the blinders off and the veil lifted and to be able to see things as they really are. What is absolutely heartbreaking, and it really is, and I, I, I do feel bad for these people because they are so stupid. They're just so stupid. But to be awake and to look into these environments and see what they're doing, how they're behaving, and as you've heard me say on numerous occasions, they are destroying their own jobs and they don't even know it. That these agendas that they themselves are advocating for are actually purposeful agendas that have been designed to destroy the business. But they don't know that. They think that it's actually making the business better. We're making things more equitable and uh, diverse and inclusive. And they use all of those words, but those words are just window dressing. Again, the storm is coming in this profession. It's already been occurring, and it isn't letting up. And there's something else I might add, too, because I, I did say this earlier, but it, it deserves um, mentioning again. Right now, this month of April, reaching the end of April, this was the time when school teachers had to fill out those forms that would indicate whether or not they were going to come back after this coming summer. Are you going to still work here? Is, it, you know, is this where you still want to work? One of the hidden statistics that isn't being discussed is the shifting of educators around different schools and the shifting of educators from one district to another. There are school teachers who are, again, are very good school teachers, and they, they saw all of this fraud, and they knew what was taking place with the mask wearing and the jabs and whatever else. It wasn't many of them. Again, many participated blindly because, again, they're brainwashed, and it's sad. But they are now moving around. The ones that are awake, again, very few of them, but they're moving around trying to find another job in another building somewhere else. So the educators in almost every building, again, have to fill out those declaration forms where they, again, say, am I coming back? Am I resigning? Am I leaving for another reason? You know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, I just don't think that the school's are going to improve with any kind of staff enrollment in the future. Again, we know that they're struggling for substitutes, and this is a constant thing. If, if you can't get a substitute, what makes them believe that they're going to be able to hire a actually highly qualified educator? It's not likely. And as I've brought up on numerous occasions, if the individual who is interviewing isn't falling into all of these leftist ideologue boxes of qualification that the institution really wants, they can sniff that out just like we can sniff them out. I mean, they can, they can find what they would consider to be a radical, right-wing, conservative, uh, alpha male or strong female who you know, has their head on straight and whatever else, and is well-spoken and has a impressive resume and this, that, and the other. 
they can spot that just like we can spot a leftist whack job a mile away. The way that they dress, the way they talk, the way they look. I mean, we can spot them. The words they use, you know, they all have tells, but they're not interested again in filling these positions and this profession with morally sound individuals. The mask wearing and the jab push weeded out the most morally sound educators, which meant who's left behind? Who are the individuals still inhabiting these positions and going along today like nothing ever took place? Like the horrors of the last two years was just a temporary thing and uh, it was unfortunate, but we're back to normal now. Again, I don't know about anybody else, but I used to be a sports fan, and you've heard me mention this on this on this show before. Sports disgusts me now. It absolutely disgusts me. There's nothing about it that I find enjoyable. I see people in the stands in baseball games, and uh, my blood pressure increases because I say to myself, what were you not paying attention to over the last two years? These people bent the knee for Black Lives Matter. They bent the knee. And I'm not watching these games because I don't watch television. But when I see pictures of, of, of people in the stands or, you know, some highlight clip on YouTube or whatever it is, again, I just think to myself, where have you been? Did you not see what was happening? Did you not see that the thing that you are now paying copious amounts of money into is the very thing that was designed to distract you in the first place, and here you are now, back at the poisonous well, drinking out of the same poisonous well. It blows me away. Again, I see, I see the people in the stands at these events, and I know that they're saying to themselves, well, we're back to normal, and everything is back to normal. All I see are sheep. I just see sheep right back to the slaughterhouse. They've gone through the slaughterhouse, they all got wounded, they've all been poisoned, and now they're right back in line at the front door of the slaughterhouse again. They have no idea. They just have no idea. No different than the education profession. Again, everybody's just forgetting that the abuses, that all of the abuses that have taken place, well, you know, that was in the past and COVID was unprecedented and the pandemic was serious and we had to do what we had to do and extort money and everything else that they did this entire time. But the child abuse straight up cannot be forgotten here. And I think it's an absolute abomination that we're letting these people off of the hook. So I want to play this quick little audio clip. This is a, this is a child, elementary school aged, in the parking lot of a school with a mask around his chin, t talking to his father as his father is recording him talking, the child talking about um, what he experienced in school on this particular day. Again, the date of this is, uh, is not known to me. It looks like it could be California because there's some mountains and palm trees in the background. But anyway, give this a listen. It's heartbreaking. Wait. So what, can you tell me what happened, buddy? Um, so... I wear my mask in the morning, and my friends told me to do it, so I just said, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. And then and then they told the teacher. Yeah. And then um, 
I had to go to the office, so I went to the office, talked with Miss Moto. Uh-huh. I said, um, I'll just go home because I really don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. And then, um, so then, and then uh, you said that you want to pick me up, and here you are. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I'm yeah. sorry that they did that. So what did they say they were going to do if you didn't wear a mask? They said uh, there's two options, wear my mask in the classroom or go to lunch and not play with at recess. Yeah. I brought my basketball. I know. What's that for? That's not fun. All right, buddy. And I would have to work off my computer. All right. Now, you know my stance on this, too, because I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one. I would want to grab that dad by the lapels or the shirt collar and say, what the hell is the matter with you? What is the matter with you? Your son is being abused by these people. You're sending him back into the same environment that's abusing him. What the hell is the matter with you? He's old enough to read. He can read. That's evident. He's rather articulate, I think. And he's describing an abusive situation. He was given two options. Wear a mask in the classroom, apparently, or he can't go to recess. It says nothing to do with science, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing. It was about normalizing abuse. It was about weeding out the most moral in society and doing whatever we have to do to award, reward, and maintain those that will go along with the abuse. That was the plan. Again, for the individuals that carried out this plan, you failed that test. You failed. For those who, again, consistently homeschooled or at the very least educated their children about what was actually taking place in this entire scenario, I mean, they passed. And those individuals who were teachers, who didn't tolerate any of this and said, I'm not participating in any of this. They either stood their ground or they left the profession. Or they found another place to work in another building that wasn't engaging in this kind of abuse. Those individuals passed the test. Everybody else failed. So it's heartbreaking. This is the kind of abuse, again, that we have got to remember. We cannot memory hold this nonsense. We can't. It was illegal. As, I, as I've said and written about, these people would have been psychologically evaluated and arrested. We cannot forget the abuse that's taken place here. Not to mention, with summer coming up, this is when the mice will play. The cat's away, so to speak, in the sense that, again, the students are gone, the teachers are gone. This is when the administrators are going to start to scheme. This is when they will meddle. This is when they get real big smiles on their faces, and they say, well, you know, people aren't going to be attending the board meetings like they used to, and, uh, and they're, not, uh, they're not going to be as vigilant, and they're not going to be paying attention, and this is when we get to sneak particular things in and roll out our agenda for the next year. This is, again, where these criminals are going to plan out what it is that they're going to do. So that when the school year starts and you think it's just going to be another school year, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to drop all kinds of surprises on people in the upcoming school year. Because, again, that's what summer is for. Summer is for those administrators to get together and to meddle and roll out particular programs and bounce ideas around behind the backs of the very individuals that are going to be forced to actually put it into practice, so to speak. and. Uh, 
summer is one of the more busy times for these education meddlers. So certainly keep an eye on that wherever it is that you live if you're interested in doing so. Shifting gears here ever so slightly, and although it's just as abusive, but certainly confusing as well. Uh, this came from, a, from, I believe, the beginning of this year. And I'm, I'm certain this didn't end well. But this came from the University of Maryland's School of Medicine. And it is a inpatient flu challenge study for the Center for Vaccine Development and Global Health. It says the following regarding the qualifications to participate in this study. And they have a little picture here that says hotel influenza. I can't even believe it. Again, people are just addicted to the needle, more so than heroin addicts. It's astounding. It says healthy vouchers, 18 through 46 years old. The Center for Vaccine Development and Global Health at the University of Maryland School of Medicine is conducting an inpatient influenza challenge study beginning in 2022. A flu challenge study tries to understand what happens when people are infected with the flu virus and how their bodies control the injection. I'm sorry, the infection. Well, it's going to be the injection because that is the infection. It says, to do this, we will admit healthy, non-pregnant people into an inpatient facility, infect or challenge them with the flu virus, not a virus, it's just poison, and monitor their symptoms. We will collect blood and other clinical specimens before and after the flu challenge. Again, they're calling it a flu challenge. It's a poisoning. It's a school-sanctioned laboratory poisoning. It says we will use these specimens to better understand how the immune system protects people from the flu. There isn't anything else that needs to be further understood about how the human body works. We get it. If you keep it healthy, it stays alive. If you poison it, you will die. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It says the internet is available with the inpatient unit and study participants working or taking classes remotely may continue to do so. Qualified participants must be 18 through 46 years old, generally healthy, non-smoker, available for approximately 12 days for an inpatient stay, fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Yes, that's right. You have to have had at least two or three shots of the COVID poison before you can receive this influenza poison. And then it says, have not received a flu vaccine within six months of the flu challenge. Eligible participants will be compensated up to $3,410 over approximately three and a half months. If you're interested in participating, please call Leslie Howe at the phone number, email, and also if you know anyone who may be interested, please share this information. They're poisoning people to death. That's what this is. Not complicated, very straightforward. What sheep wants to participate in the continued poisoning of their own body for $3,410 over the course of three and a half months, by the way? You're not going to receive it right up front because they don't want to pay a dead person. So they're going to wait around and see what happens over the course of three and a half months when the already triple jabbed with the COVID jabs receives yet another influenza shot. 
They're psychopaths. I, <laughs> I don't know how else to define it. They are psychopaths. Now, along that same line, and I'm going to wrap up with this. I've criticized Dr. Robert Malone before on this show. I'm going to continue to do that. I, don't, I do not like this person. I, I don't like him. I know that in my school board speech a year ago, I, I, I mentioned his name right at the top, that he suggested that people not take it, that no one should take it. I could have used anyone else's name. Um, I, I mistakenly used his, I suppose, even though he was not an advocate for children to take it. He was on the record as saying that, but he was still advocating for older people to take it. Here's the thing with old Bobby Malone. Robert Malone was on the Stu Peters show, and Stu holds him accountable and holds his feet to the fire. And Malone knows that, but Malone believes that viruses are real because he is a quote-unquote virologist or immunologist or whatever title he goes by. Stu backed him into a corner to get him to admit that he did not want, and again, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, the interview, I believe, is an hour and a half long. If I'm not mistaken, the whole thing is on Stu Peters' website. But he got Robert Malone to basically admit that the reason that he doesn't talk about particular subjects regarding, again, the snake venom in the shots or synthesize snake venom in the shots, or in remdesivir, or whatever else, is because he's worried about losing his medical license. Robert Malone is more concerned with maintaining his medical license than he is telling the truth. People have to keep something in mind. Robert Malone created messenger RNA, or the technology that created it. However you want to phrase that. I'm not sure I care one way or another. The guy's fingers are in that cookie jar. And he made the cookie jar. And now he's trying to say that he's not responsible because, again, it was taken and reworked and manipulated and then given to people. It permanently destroys human beings. Messenger RNA destroys humans. We know this. This is a fact. It does not help with anything. But again, he's more concerned with maintaining his medical license than he is telling the truth. Whereas there are countless doctors who have lost their medical licenses for telling the truth. So ask yourself very simply from a moral standpoint, what kind of a person are you willing to listen to? Would you rather listen to a doctor who's consistently unlearning, recognizing that there are endless lies throughout the entire profession, including the existence of viruses, which is a lie. There are no viruses, again, just poison. And then individuals like Robert Malone, who openly state, well, I need to be careful about speculation because I, I just can't align myself with anybody who would think that uh, there would be some poisoning that's going on in a much larger synthesized level and, and whatever else, even though he knows that that's the case in many cases, but specifically didn't want to bring up the snake venom stuff. And Stu Peters even said, uh, to Malone, hey, look, we know that you're on the show. You you wanted to come here, but you also told us that you don't want to talk about the snake venom. And St Stu Peters goes, I don't know why. I don't know why you wouldn't want to talk about it. Is it because he knows something about it? But again, 
he's worried about losing his license. So I'm going to throw this out here. And again, you can make up your own decisions if you'd like. But this Robert Malone and uh, Dr. Pierre Corey and uh, Peter McCullough, I'm not fans of theirs. I just want to make that abundantly clear. I, 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 don't, I don't care for these individuals. They believe things that are not real. They have a way of finding their way onto the stages and, and getting paid to make these speaking engagements and um, travel the country spitting the virology lie and the variant lie, and there's Omicron and there's this and there's that and blah, blah, blah. The virologists have, have to keep the virus lie alive because if they don't, the entire house of cards falls to the ground and they will be inside that house when it does. So they have to prop it up from the outside or from the inside as, as long as they possibly can. Use discernment here. Be vigilant. There are numerous doctors out there who know what's really going on. They know that virology is a lie. They can see the simplicity of all of this. It's simply poison. People injecting themselves with poison. Even Pierre Corey himself said that, said that this coronavirus is aerosoled. There's no proof of that whatsoever. None. Zero. Viruses do not travel in the air. There are no viruses, number one. Poisons don't travel in the air. That's not, it's not how it works. It's just not. We were lied to in school, ladies and gentlemen. We were all lied to in school. We're lied to on television. And the people who were lied to are also medical doctors. And the people who have, again, licenses that they want to maintain are going to withhold information from you because they don't want to be on the record as saying something that might cost them their medical license. And that right there should be a huge red flag. I think that should be a massive red flag. If they're, willing, if they're failing to unlearn and learn new information that is actually fact, that has been around for a very long time, but they're not doing that in the interest of maintaining a certificate or a license of some kind, that's not good. That's remarkably deadly, and that's going to hurt people because they will continue to believe things that aren't real and then spread those unreal messages. So that's kind of my stance on the whole thing. I'm glad Stu Peters had Robert Malone on again. He, he went after him, and he held him accountable as much as he, as much as he should, but uh, Malone's out there too much now, and he's got something to hide, I think. And uh, he's participated in this. That's my opinion. That's my take. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.